0: Well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this opportunity we have to get into your word, to hear your truth that makes us free. We ask you for revelation knowledge, for truth to be deposited in grace, to be imparted to us as we hear your word. Reveal to us how to be doers of this word and not just hearers of this word. Show us how to practically apply it. Reveal things to us in your word that we have not seen before and things that we have seen. We're asking that you make it more clear and more real to us than it ever has been. And we thank you, Father God, that as we hear this word, we're not just going to leave the same. We're going to leave changed and we're going to leave with the purpose and, and mindset to not just be a hearer, but to be a doer of it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. That means so be it. So be it. You may be seated. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, let me second what she was saying during the announcements. Um, You know, just bring somebody. Bring some, you know, sometimes uh, you can invite somebody, but you just need to tell them, hey, I'm bringing you to church. You need to get fed. You need to hear the word of God. You need to get encouraged. I'm bringing you. (laughs) And. Yeah, just tell. I'm bringing you to church. You don't. You may not want to come. I'm bringing you to church, Amen. Sometimes you got to do that. You know. Sometimes when you're that far with people, they'll be like, uh, "Okay, I'll go." <laughs> Glory to God. But go with me to First Timothy chapter six. First, First Timothy chapter six, and we are, I believe, today we will be wrapping up this series that we've been on. But First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. We've been uh, on a series that we're calling The Good Fight of Faith. And this is, uh, I think, 12, the 12th one. So, wow, we've been on this for 12 weeks. But uh, let's start with verse 12. fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Have you confessed the Lord publicly? Have you made a public proclamation of your faith? Amen. Well, if you've done that, then you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith now. Everybody knows you're saved. Everybody knows you're a Christian. You might as well keep going. You might as well keep fighting the good fight of faith and not worry about what anybody else thinks. You've already made the the public confession of them. So we have been on this series talking about fighting the good fight of faith, and we've covered a lot of different things. Uh, You know, I would encourage you to go back from time to time and feed on them, listen to them. I mean, we talked about everything. I mean, not everything, but you know what I mean. We talked about... uh, You know, not pitying yourself. I almost forgot about that. Remember we talked about that? The enemy tries to bring pity so that we pity ourselves. And that's one way he tries to deceive us. And we have to fight those thoughts. We talked about uh, not getting offended, how the enemy will try to hit us with unexpected punches and try to get us in a place of offense. Man, we've talked about a number of different things that have been encouraging, that have been helpful And uh, the Lord is good, and he's got more good word for us. Amen? Amen. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We've been talking about the different pieces of armor in this spiritual war, in this fight of faith that we have been equipped with. And we'll continue that again. Ephesians 6 verse 10. We'll start with... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And we talked about these things already. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. And we were shouting about that last week, weren't we? We were shouting about the hope that we have, the future that we have in Christ. And uh, I better not start talking about that too much or we won't get to what we're supposed to get to, right? And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. So today, what do you think we're talking about? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We, we've covered all the other pieces. And the, those other pieces are defensive, primarily defensive pieces of armor. But the sword is not just a defensive piece of armor. It's an offensive piece of armor as well. It's not just defensive. It's offensive. And what does offensive mean? What does an offense mean? What, what, not offense, but what is an when you're on offense, what does that mean? That means you're moving forward. That means you are engaging, right? That means you are charging forward, full steam ahead. You're not, at, you know, devance, or you're at advancing, you're not retreating, you're advancing, right? You're moving ahead. It's not a time to pull back. It's not a time to go backwards. It's not a time to wave the white flag and say we surrender. No, it's a time to advance. It's a time to go forward. It's not a time to draw back. It's a time to take more territory from the kingdom of the enemy and bring more people into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a time to advance, not time, not time to pull back. But what is the main purpose of this physical sword. I'm not, I'm not, well, yeah, let's actually talk about that. What is the main purpose of a physical sword? The main purpose is what? To, to, yeah, I hear different words. But to injure, to kill, to defeat your enemy, right? That is the main purpose of a sword. And in order to do that, you have to be in close proximity, close proximity to your opponent. You know, you can't have your sword in the scabbard and think that you are going to do any damage to your enemy. You have to take the sword out of the scabbard and begin to drive it forward to pierce your enemy. You can't keep your sword in the scabbard and your enemy is 20 feet away and you take it and throw it at them and think that you are going to hurt him or wound him or cause them any damage. No, we have to take the sword out of the scabbard. And the sword is the word of God. What is the, the sword of the spirit? It says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we're not talking about just words on ink and paper. Let's read it again, Ephesians 6.17. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The English phrase here, word of God, is the Greek word rhema. Rhema, which means the spoken word of God. And yeah, that's the Bible school I went to, Rhema Bible Training College. That's what it's named after, the spoken word. Word of God. So when the enemy brings thoughts of doubt, thoughts of temptation, thoughts to worry, thoughts to fear, what needs to happen is that you need to not keep the Word of God in its scabbard. You don't need to keep the sword in its scabbard. You know, the the Word of God is not going to do any damage to your opponent sitting on the bookshelf, sitting on the dresser, sitting in your phone app you can't take the word of god off the bookshelf and throw it at the devil (laughs) right you cannot do that he will only laugh he will not leave, he will only laugh. It is only the word of God, the anointed, powerful word of God that we put in our mouth and that we speak that will cause damage to the enemy, that will cause him to flee, that will cause him to leave. That is something he has no answer for. That is something he can do nothing with, is when we put the word of God in our mouth and we speak the word of God. And this is the way that Jesus fights. He fights with the Word of God in his mouth. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We've all read this account. This is when Jesus was in the garden. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know where, you know, most of us have heard this story before, but this is when Jesus is not in the garden, but when he's in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But while you're there, let me read these two passages in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. It says, He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Do you hear that? Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and it goes on to say and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength if you want to write that reference down you can revelation 1 16 revelation 12 16 says this repent or else i will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth that's the lord speaking i will fight against them with the sword of my mouth we're talking about the word of god That became flesh. The word himself puts the word in his mouth and he fights with the word of God in his mouth. Well, if that's the way he fights, that's the way we're going to have to fight. If that's the way he fights, amen? Well, there's no better example than Jesus. He's our example, amen? Matthew chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, there's a There's so much here that you could cover and you take different rabbit trails here. But I just want to stay with what we're talking about today. Now, first of all, though, is this is the is Jesus being tempted? The Bible says he was led in the wilderness to be tempted. And I'm saying that because some people say, no, he couldn't have been tempted. Well, the Bible says he was led in the wilderness to be tempted. And think about it. It's been 40 days, 40 nights without food. Uh, you know, he likes to eat. He's fully God, yeah, but he's also fully man. And he needs to eat just like every other human. Amen? And so, you know, when we read these account, when we read this account here, it seems like that the devil, you know, he just says, Hey, turn these stones into bread if you're the Son of God. And Jesus says, You know, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. And then that's it. But we don't really see the feelings. We don't really see what comes with the temptation. But you and I know, standing on this side of eternity, we know what temptation is. We know what it means to have some thoughts brought to us. Whether Now, when we think temptation, don't let your mind go into one area. You know, people just think sometimes tempted to lust. You can be tempted to doubt. You can be tempted to, you know, the Bible talks about uh, those in unbelief. Talking about the first generation of I- Israelites. And it, the Bible also says whatsoever is not a faith is a sin. So you can be tempted to doubt. You can be tempted to fear, to worry. And what happens? And you could be tempted to do something immoral. But what comes with that temptation? What comes with the, that? those thoughts? That's imagination. There's a pressure. There's a there's a push. What was that you said too? Yeah. But, I, I mean, with the temptation, you're getting ahead of me now. <laughs> but with that temptation, though, what comes with that? There is that pressure. You ever have when a temptation and a thought comes? Let's say a temptation to, to walk out of love with somebody. They've done you wrong. They got you upset. There's a push. Talk, don't let them talk to you like that. There's a push. There's pressure. Anybody else experience that? Yeah, there's a push. There's pressure. There, and it's, it can be harassing. It can be harassing. And this is what's going on. Because that's what temptation does. There's this push. Do it. Come on. Do it. Come on. Turn that stone into the bread. Come on. Come on. There, that's what temptation is. That's what temptation does. Okay? So I want us to get a clear picture of what is going on here. That, that's how temptation is, is working. But now Jesus who the bible refers to is the second adam is going to show us how to fight the temptation how to defeat the temptation. He's going to show us how to do what the first Adam did not do when he was tempted, when they were tempted, when the enemy was in the garden. This is how they should have responded. Jesus is going to show us how to respond. He is going to defeat this temptation. He has to do this. He has to be the perfect spotless lamb, but he's also showing us how to do it ourselves. Verse 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Notice what, he's, notice what he did. Jesus didn't pick up a stone and throw it at the devil, right? There's no, there's no indication that Jesus even saw him physically. For all we, This is spiritual. For all we know, these are just thoughts that are realistic. You know, you got to be careful about movies. That you, you know, they, they portray, uh, and you see the devil, and he's talking to him, and he's like some wiggly line, you know, blurry little uh, ghost looking thing. We got to, this is a spiritual thing that's going on here. And Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How did he fight? He put the word of God in his mouth. He put the word of God in his mouth. Jesus didn't answer the devil. He didn't say, you know, rabbi so-and-so. He said this. And no, he didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, this is what we believe at the synagogue I go to. He didn't say that, did he? Now you can't do that. You can't say, this is what we believe at my church. This is what we believe in our denomination. No, that is not going to make the devil leave you alone, right? That is not going to cause the devil to leave you alone. And we, you can't bring up logical reasons and explanations. You can't say, well, devil, actually, I could probably go one or two more days without food because according to scientific, you, you can't do that. The devil will not leave you alone. You have to put the word of God in your mouth. Amen? You have to put the word of God in your mouth. And we have to do that. that if Jesus did it, we have to do it. And that's the one thing that the devil cannot handle. He cannot come against the word of God in your mouth. You know, the Bible says in in John 1, 5, that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. See, what is coming out of your mouth when you speak? Yes, it's a sword in the spirit, but it's also light that is penetrating the darkness And when the light penetrates the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen? Amen. I said the light cannot overcome the darkness. When you put the light in your mouth and you speak it, it cannot overcome the word of God in your mouth. And so the devil cannot do anything but leave you alone. And so when you defeat him with that temptation, oh, he'll come back with something else, though. He'll be like, oh, he got me there, but he's coming back. Right? Verse 5. Now, I want you to see in every temptation that the devil brought to Jesus, Jesus had a word to speak. He had a specific word to speak. He had a a specific word that came out of his mouth. He didn't keep the sword in the scabbard. He took the word, put it in his mouth, and he spoke it. And it was a specific word for the specific temptation, for the specific scenario. That means we have to know what the word of God says about our situations, about what we're facing, whatever we're dealing with, whatever temptation has been coming to us, whatever uh, situation that the enemy is throwing at us, we need to know the word of God in that area. Notice Jesus didn't say when he said, hey, you know, look at all this, bow down and worship me. Jesus didn't say, it is written, thou shalt not steal. He didn't say that. Why? Because there is a specific word that needs to be spoken. There is a specific word that I believe that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. That's what Jesus Jesus said, that the comforter, the the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will bring things to your remembrance. He will bring things that Jesus has spoken. Well, that means we need to know what Jesus said. How is he going to bring to our remembrance something that we don't know about? he's going to, ha- that means we're going to have to know about it. That means you're dealing with some fear. You're dealing with some anxiety. You're dealing with lust. You're dealing with doubt, worry. You need to go through the word of God and arm yourself with truth. Uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you, we need to know what the word of God says. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but the Holy Spirit does not compensate for our lack of effort. He doesn't compensate. He he is our helper, but he doesn't help us be lazy and help us, you know, not take any effort in finding out what the scripture says. Amen? He brings things to our remembrance. That means we need to know what the word of God says so that he has something to bring to our remembrance. Amen? So why the word of God? Why is the word of God the only offensive weapon mentioned in the armor. Why the sword of the spirit is, uh, which is the word of God, the only offensive weapon mentioned in this armor. Well, go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and I'll start reading in verse uh, 12 here it says this for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's words are alive. They're powerful. They're full of life and power because God is alive. And he's full of life and power. So the, God, the words of God that created the sun, moon, and the stars, that created the skies, that created the planets, that word of God is what we have a hold of, what is in this book. That is the scriptures that we have. This word of God is alive and it's powerful. This is not a dead book. This is a book full of life. The words of God are full of life. Amen? Amen. And the, the Bible says... That Jesus, the Son, who is the radiance of God's glory, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything is upheld by the, his powerful words. Everything that you see is being upheld by the word of his power. The Bible says this, and that's Hebrews 1.3. I'm going to read that portion of scriptures from the Good News Translation. It says sustaining the universe, God, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, is sustaining the universe with his powerful word. The complete Jewish Bible says upholding all that exists by his powerful word. Everything that exists, he's upholding it by his word. Why the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? Because life power, The very life of God, the very power of God is in his word. Everything that exists on this earth, every molecule, every atom, every element on this earth or any other planet, every cell in your body, every breath you have, every heartbeat you have, everything that causes you to be sustained and maintained and is allowed to cause you to continue is from the very beginning is because God spoke it. Because God said it. And that word has not lost its power. That word has not lost its power. That word that he spoke in the beginning when he said, let there be. That same word is still carrying us. It's still being upheld. It's still being maintained and is allowing us to live today. And if God chose, if he decided that I don't want them to, this earth to go on anymore and he said, earth be gone in an instant. Everybody and everything you know would cease to exist because that's how powerful his word is. Everything about God is in his, the very life of God is in his word. His word is that powerful. When he speaks, it happens. Nothing he speaks does not happen. How many of the Bible says in Isaiah 55, he says, the word that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. No, it will accomplish what I want it to accomplish. It will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. His word will happen. Whatever he says will happen in our lives. Whatever he speaks will be done. And his word is powerful in our lives. In our lives. His word, when we apply it to our lives, his word can cause you to be free. His word will make you free. His word will deliver you and set you free, remove bondages, things that have been keeping you down, keeping you oppressed, keeping you depressed. When you get a hold of the powerful word of God, that will set you free. That will remove burdens, destroy yokes. That will cause you to be another person that when people look at, they're like, I don't even recognize you anymore. Why? Because you got a hold of the word of God. That's how powerful the word of God is. I said, that's how powerful the word of God is. The word of God has power. But because the word of God has power, doesn't mean it will benefit us if we don't cooperate with the word of God. Just because it has power, just because it has the ability to destroy yokes, remove burdens, just because it has the power to set us free, to deliver us, If we don't cooperate with it, it will not benefit us in our lives. This word of God has power, but we have to cooperate with it. And this word of God, you know, the temptation of the enemy, the deceits of the enemy, they are not stronger than the word of God. They are not more powerful or more potent than the word of God. The word that the enemy's deception, the enemy's temptation, they cannot stand up against the word of God. They cannot defeat the word of God, but there's something that we must do so that it could benefit us. And that is getting the word of God in our mouths. It's getting the word of God in our tongue, get to move in our lips. When you're doing that, you are taking the scabbard, the sword out of the scabbard, and you are driving it into the enemy. Now, in asking the Lord about today and what we needed today, um, you know, what we needed for today. The Lord ministered this to my heart. Not I mean, I heard an audible voice. I just knew as soon as I, I was asking him about this, he said, you don't need something new. We just need to do what we already know to do. Because that, that is sometimes, that a lot of times is the issue. We know what to do, but we're not doing what we should know we th- were supposed to do. And so hopefully, well, no, I'm believing that today we'll see more clear why we need to do this and we'll put it to work. But a couple of big reasons, you know, it's great to know the word of God. It's great to know what the Bible says. But the big question is, are we doing it? It's great to be able to quote the scripture. You know, sometimes it's, it's funny, you know, i just being in church. I'm sure you guys have seen this. Um, but I've been with people and they're, man, they're repeating every scripture that the preacher says, that the minister says. But I know these individuals. I'm like, man, this, this person, they know all these scriptures, but they are not doing these scriptures at all. I, I don't mean that they're, they're, you know, just messing up here and there. No, I'm talking about they're not living godly at all, but they know the scriptures when they get in church, boy. They're like, yeah, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, but I'm looking at them, like... It's like one guy at a church service we were in one time. He stood up and everybody's shouting. He said, yeah, pastor, tell them all. But this guy was the biggest hypocrite you, you could ever meet. I'm not, I'm not judging. He just, what, everybody knew. It's just like, yeah, brother, sit down. We know what you're doing. <laughs> but that's not us. We're going to not just be hearers of the word. We're doers, amen? But a couple big reasons that I see. And this is not, you know, groundbreaking revelation or anything, but why the enemy is able to deceive. These are the two big reasons why I see is that many Christians don't know the Word of God or they don't know the Word of God in that area, in that situation, in that temptation, that, that area that they're being defeated in. They don't know the Word of God and they don't know what the Bible says about it. A lot of times people know religion. A lot of times people have heard other people say something, and so that's what they believe, but they don't know the Word of God for themselves. They just have heard what other people say. They have something that's been passed down from their parents and grandparents, but it's not revelation to them. And then another reason that I see is that they are just not applying the sword of the Spirit to their situation. They know what the word says, but they are not taking the sword out of the scabbard and driving it into the enemy. And so those, those two big reasons is why I see is why the enemy is able to be successful in his temptations and his deceits that he brings. is not understand not knowing the word of God in that area, and then not using the sword of the spirit in that area. So let's take the first one, not knowing the word of God. You know, it's important that we know the truth, that we are armed with the truth. The psalmist said in the 119th Psalm, he said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How are you not going to sin? How are you going to resist temptation? How are you going to resist the pressure to doubt, the pressure to fear? His word is hid in your heart. And then what does that do? When his word is in your heart, that allows the Holy Spirit to bring that up out of your heart. So when you're in that situation, Jesus immediately knew what to say. He knew immediately how to handle it. Why? Because he's been preparing. He's been studying the word since he was a youth. He knew what, you know, Jesus had to learn and grow. And he, he just wasn't born knowing that he had to study the word of God. He knew the word of God. So then he was it was brought back to his remembrance. That was right back after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, he's working in cooperation with us and he'll bring back to our remembrance the word of God. So the, the less you know about the word of God, well, sure, he can help you. There's mercy. But if you want him to bring something back to your remembrance, well, you got to know what he said. Amen? Amen. So that means we got to take the time to find out what the Word of God says about our situation. Amen. And another way, well, go, go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. Do we have time for that? Go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. Should we go there? Yeah. Actually, you, you know what? Do this. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 and I'll read 1 Corinthians 10. The Holy Spirit, he will bring back to our remembrance what he said, what the Lord said, who is the word. Because what he said is what has life in it, is what has power in it. And that is what the enemy cannot handle. And that is what will defeat the enemy every time is what Jesus said. Not what somebody else said, not what you think the Word of God says, it's what the Word of God says. And that's one major way I see how the Lord gives us a way of escape out of the temptation. First Corinthians 10:13, I'll read it, and you, you don't have to turn there. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful." He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. One translation, the the complete Jewish Bible says the temptation, he will also provide. With the temptation, he will also provide the way out. He will provide the way out. When that temptation comes, there's going to be a way out. Well, temptation is, you know, it's common to everybody. It's common to man. Now, don't think because you're being tempted that something is wrong with you. No, it's common. Everybody has temptation. Everybody is tempted in some form or fashion. Now, we don't want to keep dealing with the same temptation for the rest of our lives. At some point, we got to put the word of God in our mouth and start speaking. Because the temptation needs to be responded to with the sword of the Spirit. It needs to be responded to with the sword of the Spirit. The temptation of doubt, the temptation of fear, it needs to be responded to. The Lord is not going to take our hand, grab our sword, and drive it back and forth into the enemy. He does not do that for us. This is something we do. Fight the good fight of faith. Take the whole armor of God. Take the sword of the Spirit. This is something you do. We do. We do this. Amen? And this is, some, this, is the way, this is the way Jesus fought. This is how he faced the temptation in the wilderness. This is how Adam and Eve should have dealt with the serpent in the garden. And this is how you and I are going to have to fight. The student is not above his master. If Jesus did this, we're going to have to do this. Amen? We can't say, Lord Jesus, fight the enemy for me. No. You, he said you. He gave us the sword of the spirit. That is what we are supposed to do. Now, you're at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, right? You may be wondering, why does it keep repeating that? Uh, because people don't do this. Even though we, we see it in the word of God, people don't always do that. First, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That means we're not going to win warring with natural methods. yeah, we live in this flesh world, but it's not a flesh battle. It's a spiritual battle. The victory was won spiritually. Yes, it affected natural, the natural physical world, but it's what we didn't see. See, when we read the account of Jesus facing temptation in the wilderness, you don't see the spiritual aspects. I mean, we we see it if we're talking about, but when you just read it, You don't necessarily see that in the spirit world what's happening. You don't necessarily see that a sword is coming out of the mouth of Jesus, a sword that is sharp and is penetrating the enemy. We don't see that in the description, but that's what's happening because it's not a flesh fight, it's a spirit fight. Jesus didn't get in a yoga-like pose and try to block the thoughts out of his mind. He didn't say, hmm, no, no. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on my strength. No, this is not about willpower. No, because that would be flesh. That would be trying to fight it in the flesh, in the natural. You can give and prescribe people all the pills in the world for their so-called mental issues, the, their thoughts that they're facing, the wrong desires, the temptations to do evil. But that is just band-aids. That is... That is, they may get into a comatose, drugged state of mind and they're calmed down, but they are not winning any war. They're not winning any battle because flesh methods cannot defeat spiritual reality. It's going to take spiritual weapons to defeat what's going on in the spirit. You can't defeat something in the spirit with flesh weapons, with flesh methods. You can bring everybody together in a room and and tell them you're not an alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic. But it's going to take the word of God. It is going to take the power of the word of God to defeat the enemy. Amen? Continue reading. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Notice that phrase, bringing every thought into captivity. What does that mean, captivity? If you look up that word captivity in the Greek, it means to lead away. Captive. Or it's, it, it, it's same thing, to lead away captive. But that word captivity means to subjugate, to bring under control, to conquer, to have mastery over. That means stripped of its own power. If you are conquered, you are stripped of power. And I saw this, and I thought this was very interesting, that that same Greek word for captive is found in Luke 21, 24. And Jesus is prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem. And he says this in Luke 21 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Notice that. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive. How were they taken captive? How were they subjugated? How were they conquered? How, did, how was mastery gained over them? And how were they stripped of their own power? They fell by the edge of the sword. You guys follow me? They fell by the edge of the sword. That's how they were subjugated. That's how they were taken captive. Well, we have a sword, and it's called the sword of the spirit. And when we take out the sword of the spirit, we can cause these thoughts to bow down and to be subjugated to us. We strip the thoughts of their power. We strip temptation. We strip doubt. We strip fear of its power over us when we put the word of God in our mouth. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit that's going to bring these thoughts captive, that's going to take these thoughts into captivity. Do you see that? and we want to be skillful in the word of god. We want to know what the word of god says about your your situation. I said this before, but find out what the word of god says. Arm yourself with truth. Arm yourself. Think about it. If you were in a physical battle and you went out there with no ammunition, you'd be foolish. We would say you're a dummy. You're going to go out there with no ammunition, you really are a fool. Well, let's not be fools. We're not fools, are we? We're not just going to keep letting the devil beat us up in the same area. No, we need to uh, we need to arm ourselves with truth. For example, you are. Let's just say someone who is had thoughts. Well, you can deal. There can be temptations in a, a number of different areas. You can have temptation to doubt the love of God temptation to doubt his faithfulness, to doubt his goodness towards you. You can have temptations uh, to doubt that he's a good God, that he wants you healed, that he wants you blessed financially. All these areas you need to arm yourself with the truth in so you know what the word of God says. So when the devil brings these thoughts, you know what to speak. The Holy Spirit will equip you, say that, bring this, but you got to speak. You got to speak. Somebody dealing with suicide, Somebody believes the Lord, you know, doesn't love them. Nobody loves them anymore. What are what are reasons why? So they say, I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle this situation anymore. So they think I got the only way out is to take their life. But if they could just arm themselves with some truth, if they could just hear the truth, And they could just receive it and believe it and begin to put the word of God in their mouth, saying, no, the Bible says the Lord loves me with an everlasting love. The Bible says that, that, you know, through him, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. And nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. And oh, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon me that he would call me a child of God. What are they doing? They are taking the sword of the spirit and they are driving it into the temptation to strip it of its power. And how long do you do that? Until you take the thought captive. Until you strip the thought powerless in your life. Until you strip the temptation powerless, you keep speaking. You keep applying the sword of the Spirit. The enemy will bring thoughts again. Oh, yeah, but it's too much to handle. This is too much to bear. This is, you can't take this pressure. You might as well end it all. now. no, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. His grace is is sufficient for me. And in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. See, you apply the sword of the Spirit. You take the sword out of the scabbard, and you begin to drive it into the enemy. And it has to work. It has to. This is the powerful, living, active, potent word of God that will destroy every time, that will defeat every time. Every time you're dealing with some fear, you're dealing with thoughts of fear. You're dealing with uh, you know your this fear. There's all all kinds of fears. You know there's fears of fruits. Did you know that there's fears of vegetables? There's all kinds of fears, and I, it's real to people. It's real. What do you need to do? What do they need to do? Yeah, it sounds funny, but it's real to them. When you're in those situations, it's real. What do they need? Arm themselves with the truth. Find out what the word of God says about fear. Find out what the word of God says about how much he loves us. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. When you know that the Lord loves you, why fear? If you are secure in the love of God, Man, that will drive away any fear. And you put that word in your mouth. No, I know the Lord loves me. And I know he loves me completely. I know there's not one part of my life that he doesn't love and that he's not interested in, that he doesn't care about. And you put the word of God in your mouth. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And you put the word of God, you say, if God is on my side, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. You put the word of God to work and you begin to drive that sword into the enemy. You begin to drive it into the enemy and light is penetrating the darkness and the darkness will not be able to overcome it. This is how we fight the good fight of faith with the word of God. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.